0: Well, it is the 7th of January, 2018, and probably some of us aren't really ready for it to be that time yet. We're still trying to get ready for the new year to begin because you come off of the, all of the activity beginning with Thanksgiving and holidays, Christmas, New Year's, traveling and, and family and that sort of thing, and at the same time we're, we're trying to prepare for the new year. Now, how many of you take time to, maybe not written out, but to think through New Year's resolutions or things you'd like to change in the new year? Okay, well, most, most of you. Some of you may, may uh, have a little cynical thought <laughs> about that, and I think there are a number of reasons why we might do that, because maybe in the past you've, you know, you think, how many years do I do that? I know it's not going to prove a whole lot. Why set goals that I'll never be able to keep? Uh, what's really going to change? But... Um, This morning, I'd like to talk about our approach and our look into this coming new year and what God is going to to be doing and changing in our lives. I've entitled this message, Living Life on Purpose. Now, that would be opposed to living life by accident, which I don't think any of us want to, to plan on living, but living life on purpose or living life with purpose for me, and I know I may, may be unique, some of you may identify with me a little bit, but since I was about 18 years old, I would spend most of my month of December just writing through, um, evaluating the previous year, I I'd usually categorize the different parts of my life, my different responsibilities, and I know it sounds a little bit depressing uh, to go through this, but I, th- I think, how did I do? How did I do? And... I don't know if there's ever any area in my life where I've ever evaluated, I just did fantastic. (laughs) But usually I'll see some, there are some positive parts, but I I go through and evaluate, and then I try to put down some realistic goals for the coming year. And then from those goals to put them into plans, and I know you've probably heard all this before too, but uh, make goals that are... Uh, smart goals, um, specific and measurable and action-oriented and time-sensitive, and the last one is uh, rememberable. Yeah, rememberable. (laughs) (laughs) Time-sensitive, the last one, reasonable. Anyway, you can tell that uh, realistic. Yeah, realistic. So I think some of of the words are different with different people, but you you, you don't want to just have a, a wish or a dream. But honestly, I think Every single person in here, whether or not you write out goals or think of New Year's resolutions, you want this next year to be better. You want this next year to be better. That doesn't mean you're dissatisfied or unhappy or have had such a horrible year, but you want to make improvement. You want to be able to move forward in your life. And I, th- I think I've always felt that and sensed that, that it, we, we want to be, whether or not you use the word successful. You want to be able to feel like your life is amounting to something. You're doing something significant. You're being able to make a difference. Now, does all of that, making a goal, writing a goal, making a smart goal, and realizing your goal make you successful? Not necessarily, because you could have the wrong goal. You know, you could plan your whole life to to climb Everest and prepare and plan and save your money and, and take the trip and climb the mountain and get up there and plant the flag and look over and realize that you're not on Everest. If, if you have the wrong goal in life, the wrong objective in life, the wrong pursuit in life, and you achieve it, it's going to be kind of an empty realization at the end. So because you can write out your goals or make New Year's resolutions or to keep all those commitments, to realize those goals, does not mean that you become a successful person. I think sometimes uh, we feel like, well, you know, why try? I know that I can't, I can't achieve that. Uh, some would say, I have no idea what I should be doing. I don't re- really know what, what purpose is there for my life. And I think that's a good question. Sometimes, we'll, we'll you know, you don't just wonder that when you're finishing high school. There are times all through life you think, why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? What, what is really the significance of my life? What am I going to accomplish? And as we get older... Uh, We can tend to think, well, you know what? I might as well just give up now because I'm too old (laughs) to change anything. Uh, That it won't make a difference. This year, though, as I was going through this process, there was a a new twist for me, and that's kind of what has brought about in part uh, a series that I want to bring starting in two weeks on uh, living life with Jesus. As I was going through this process... I ran across this verse that, that i 'm going to have uh, it 'll be up on the screen here of Romans, very familiar romans eight twenty eight and twenty nine <clears throat> now probably romans eight twenty eight is the second most recognizable verse for people in all of the scriptures, aside from john three sixteen but verse twenty nine is really where i 'm heading in this, and let me read this, and then I want to, I want to examine living life on purpose. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. So this morning, what I'd like to do is, is look at this verse and... Living life on purpose, what that means, why I should even want that, and how, if I were to pursue it, I could find it. What is living a life on purpose? Typically, all the goals and plans and objectives that we make, uh, what we have chosen to do for the coming year, or what we would like to do, they center around very temporal things. Think about it. Uh, what's, What's the... First thing that people think about New Year's resolution. Okay, no one wanted to say it. I know. No one wanted to say it. So Paul said it for us. So. <laughs> We're just talking that. Uh, but your health. Now, how many of you, or I want to, you don't raise your hand on this, are absolutely completely happy with where you are physically? I mean, it's, your, your health is just like perfect. Okay. Um, See see these young guys here under the front, second row, see that? <clears throat> they have not lived life yet. <laughs> so the rest of us are dreaming of how we might improve. Now, whether it's I'm going to be more cardio fit, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to gain muscle mass, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to... Okay, but you think about this, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, you're getting older and you're going to die. So it doesn't matter... How much you exercise and how many diets you go on, you're going to die. You're still going to get old. And I, and I, you know, you see these uh, commercials because now's the time of year with all the commercials that can make you feel guilty. After they're selling all the food, commercials selling all the food and in November, December, now they're all making you feel guilty. And, and you're going to buy this plan that's hundreds of dollars to torture yourself. And uh, you're going to die anyway. You're going to die anyway. So I'm, I hate to, I hate to, I hate to be a bearer of bad news. Or there may be a bad habit that you have. Um, could be a real serious one. Could be that you want to quit biting your fingernails. I mean, you, you you say, I've got a bad habit. This year, I'm going to quit my bad habit. It could be a, a a career change, a job change. It could be certain goals to improve your life, but. My point is that almost all of the the goals that we have, that we we make our smart goals and our objectives and we calendarize our goals and we check ourselves off, we make evaluation, are very temporal goals. They're fleeting. They're about superficial things that at at the end, when we look back, really didn't matter that much. Now, I'm not trying to minimize the fact that we we have a stewardship with our bodies, we take care of ourselves, uh, we should be responsible in the behaviors of our lives. But but so much of what we see and we give attention to is very, very temporal. So, achieving a goal, it needs to be the right goal. And this is why this text, to me, shares with us what, and and I want you to follow through with me because you may not say that's not what I want for my life right now, but, but what is God's purpose for your life? So if I say living life on purpose, whose purpose? My purpose? My mom's purpose? My dad's purpose? Or there's some kids that say, I'm just going to do that because that's what my dad wanted me to do, or my mom wanted me to do this, or, you know, I feel like, well, there's nothing else to do. But I feel like there's probably no text in all of scripture that more accurately gives to us a, a very precise statement about what God's purpose is for your life. In other words, what is God's will for your life? And we read that in verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Now he's speaking about God, that we be, this is God's plan for us to be conformed, pressed into the mold, shaped, and become more and more into the likeness of Jesus. It's what his plan is. And see, that's not so much about what you do, it's what you become. And, and here's the thing that struck me, probably harder than ever before in, in making my New Year's resolutions. I spend most of my time with, with planning my new year about what I'm going to do, not what I'm going to become. And what really matters and what really counts is what I'm becoming. Because all the things I do are are going to be fleeting. What I become is going to have lasting impact on other people. To me, this was, you said, you hadn't seen that before? Maybe I did. <laughs> to me, this it hit me hard. That my focus needs on being the primary purpose for the life of Matt Olson is not, do I Am I at a college working here? Am I a pastor here? Have I got a job over here? Am I living here? Am I doing this? Am I going to lose weight this year? Am I getting in shape? Am I going to do. No, the primary purpose of my life is to become more and more like Jesus Christ. Now, am I giving. The question is, am I giving my energy to that? Am I praying about that? Am, am I giving my life's focus to that and, and letting God take care of the rest? This was his original plan. If you go back to the book of Genesis, it says that God made man in his own. And if, if you read it, it says, and God said, let us make man in our image. You say, well, why would God speak in plural? I'll tell you why he's speaking in plural. Because he's speaking of himself, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. That's how God made man. So, what happened to man? Well, he fell. He fell into sin. He's marred by sin. He still bears God's image. I still bear God's image. You still are an image bearer of God, but it's been marred by sin. And so what Jesus came to do was to rescue us from our sin, rescue us from the penalty of death, and to restore and build back to that glorious image of His Son. So how do we measure success? And I've put, up a, put this up for you, and it's not you know, that I want to be quoted on this, but I tried to How do I define success? Success is finding and fulfilling God's purpose for my life, which is being conformed to the likeness of His Son. Now, it's pretty simple. Success is finding and fulfilling God's purpose for my life. Now, I think that means believing upon Him as my Savior, but that's just the beginning. God wants to shape and mold and fashion and change my life to be more and more like his son. That's what he wants to do. And and I think that yeah, but what about what I want to do? <laughs> now you can you can choose that. People may choose other things. What are the benefits of this? I think one God is pleased because his plan is fulfilled. God's original creative plan for us Fashioned in his image, created in his likeness, is fulfilled. We are fulfilled because we realize the purpose for which we were created. when you look back at, at this verse in Romans 8:28, at the very end of that verse it says, "Purpose. All things work together for good, to those that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. Now, we quote this verse all the time, and we lean upon this verse to to help us interpret the various trials and challenges in our lives. But sometimes we fail to see that at the very end of that verse, he talks talks about his purpose. And what is his purpose? That's what he goes on to define in verse 29. God is pleased, we are fulfilled, and we enjoy the relationship with God for eternity. A creature and creator, all of his creation is, There is no other way to find lasting joy and peace and contentment and fulfillment than to be fulfilling your creative intent. God made you in His image. He created you in His image. Marred by sin, God rescues you and continues to work to mold you into that image. It's constant change. So the greatest change for 2018... It's not losing weight. It's not quitting your bad habit. Now, I don't want to... You can keep all those. And those are good. But the greatest goal this year, the greatest passion and purpose for my life is to become more and more like Jesus and less and less like the old Matt Olson. You see, it's so much more about what you become Than what you do. Almost all of our plans, almost all of our focus, and even if you didn't make New Year's resolutions, I'm sure you got plans, right? Most of your plans are built around what you do. What God says, I want you to build your plans about what you're becoming. And then everything we do flows from what we are. Let me say that again. Everything we do flows from what we are. So the focus is not on what I'm going to go do. The focus is what I'm in becoming. And when I'm right in what I'm becoming, then God takes care of that as we walk with Him. So my question to you this morning is, where are you on that path? Where are you on that path, becoming like Jesus? I could ask you, well, what did you get done in? 2017. That See, that's that's where I, I caught myself. I caught myself in, in, in December trying to figure out what did I get done in 2017? And what am I going to do in 2018? It's all about what I did and what I'm going to do. And, I, and I'm adjusting all of my, my resolutions based on that. But the question is, how much more in 2017 did I become like Jesus? How much more did my life start to reflect the Son of God? And how much more this year will that be taking place in my life? It's not just what I'm going to be able to get done. So we have many purposes and goals and plans, but this is what we were created for. We were created for this, to be in His image. So the second question that I would have is, why would I even want to live that way? (laughs) Now, I know that may sound a little bit sacrilegious, but to be honest with you, I think subconsciously all of us might think that way. Why would I want to live like Jesus? I mean, you think he was single, never got married, was poor, um, lost all of his friends, was persecuted, rejected, and put to death. Why would I want to be like that? I kind of like my life. And, and to be honest with you, most of us really don't want anyone else telling us what our purpose should be. We would like to figure that out on our own and make our own decision. I used to speak at uh, high school graduations a lot when I was recruiting college students, and and uh, so I'd be on a platform with other people. And there's so many speakers that would would give this advice: follow your dreams, follow your heart. And I'm thought, man, if I did, if I followed my heart when I was 18, I would have been dead by the time I was 19. <clears throat> and I was thinking, so you'd say you say, just throw it, throw it out there, just. Follow what you want to do. Most of us, though, don't trust anyone else to make that decision, do we? I don't want, I don't want someone else telling me what my purpose in life is. <clears throat> and I can understand that. But here's one that we can trust. Because God, who created you and created this world and everything in it and is working for your good, this is what he has promised. He's working everything for your good. And all that God does is good has told you this is your destiny. This is your purpose. Not to do all of these things, but to be constantly formed into the likeness of my son. That's what I want for you. That's my will for you. This year, 2018. So we fast forward to 2019. We'll all be a year older. (laughs) Some of us will accomplish goals. Some of us not. Are you more like Jesus? Is the question. It may not seem appealing to you, and especially as we read in the context of Romans 8. And, I, and uh, I love this chapter in verse 18 because he talks about the sufferings and the difficulties in the Christian life. He says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed in us. So what Paul is saying is the glory to be revealed in us is when this transformation of my life to be more like Jesus is complete and final, which is when we get to heaven, when all glory is fulfilled, in the present time, we endure suffering. And that's what, why Romans eight, eighteen, and eight twenty eight were written. Because we're trying to figure out, okay, God, if you're good and you love me and everything is good about heaven, why am I going through such hardship right now? Why, why am I going through this? That's why Romans 8.28 was written, in response to the pain and the difficulty we have in processing the goodness of God. So he reminds us that everything may not be good in and of itself, but he is causing it to work together for the ultimate good. Ultimate and eternal. It may not presently seem that way. And what is, what is it? The, the good that he's doing. And I used to just think, well, generally, it's just all good things. <clears throat> but I think the good that he's speaking out, he works all things together for good to them who are called according to his purpose. In other words, God is working this, the difficult situation, that you're the painful situation that you're going through, for your good to accomplish his purpose. See what I'm saying? It's not just, well, it's just, Something good happened to me. No, he's working this difficult situation for your good to accomplish his purpose. And his purpose is to be like Christ. <clears throat> and Diana and I were talking the other day about this, and, and she used the the word removing the dross. It's kind of like, you know, when you're, you're boiling sup, stuff up, it kind of removes the dross. The trials, the difficulties, the test God uses to perfect us and conform us to the likeness of Christ. He, he He is taking these. It's not just that, well, you learn to accept that that's God's good work and it'll all end up in good, is that the good work is you becoming more like Jesus. And you reflect him more and more. And that whole idea is carried on from verses 36 to 39, which you can read at another time. But uh, he continues on on that um, The suffering in verse uh, 36 it says because you were being put to death all day long or counted as sheep for the slaughter he says knowing all these things we are more than victorious through him who loved us and then he goes on to say i'll go to read this because it's so good he says for i'm persuaded that either that even death or life or angels or rulers things present or things to come hostile powers height or depth or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of god that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So nothing, not even death or anything, can separate us from the love of God. All these things work together to bring about your change to the likeness of Christ. So when we read through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is, is speaking, Matthew chapters 5, 6, uh, 7, the life, he's talking about living, of loving others, loving your neighbor. His life, his model life, is what he wants to be instilling in us. This is what matters. And then when he when he talks about that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, uh, I would say literally, the firstborn among many brothers and sisters is that he is the one and only son that is having effect upon all of us to be like him. And the greatest contribution that you and I will ever make to this world is not what we do, but what we become. Because it will be the visible reality of Christ in this world when you're like him. That's the truth of it. So when we focus on other things, Jesus had the The parable in Luke 12, he said, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store up my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, we would say, humanly speaking, that's a very successful man, right? Had some goals, had some evaluation, probably had some smart goals, set it all up, going to tear down the barn, build the barn, fill up the barn, and then he sits back and he says, eat, drink, and be merry. And then, but God said to him, fool, you fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared Whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And that's really the person who has invested all of their time, their energy, their goal setting, their resolutions into temporal things. It's not that we don't have goals about temporal things, and we're not it's not meaning that we're not wise about the stewardship and things of life. But the overarching principle, the overarching purpose of my life, the one supreme passion of my life to achieve is God conforming me into the likeness of His Son. And I think that has not, for me, been preeminent in my New Year's resolutions. I don't think since I was 18 that I thought my number one passion this year, my number one goal is that in a year I'm more like Jesus. Jesus. Than I was last year. That's the convicting part for me. So, it is compelling to think of a life like that. I would be drawn to the life like that. We think, why? Why live that? Because when I'm fulfilled, God is pleased. I'm rightly related to all His creative work, and I have fulfilled the destiny for which I was created. There is the greatest sense of satisfaction. So how do I find this? And I, I conclude with this thought. How do I find this? And there, there, there are some incredible words in verse 29 that show us three great works that God does to accomplish this. The word foreknew, the word predestined, and the word chosen or conformed. The word conformed. When you look at when you look at these words, he foreknew, he predestined, and he conformed. I want to just say a word about each one. God foreknew you. Now, typically what we think of is God has binoculars and he looks way down in time and says, Oh, I see you way out there. I foreknew you. I I see you way out there. Uh, what are you gonna do? What are you what are you gonna do? It's like God's uh kind of wringing his hands and looking and, and figuring out what you, God's, God's just an observer. But this foreknew really means he loved us. If you, if you study the new uh, the Old Testament and New Testament usage of the word to know, even if it's just like Adam, Adam knew his wife and she had a son It's more than just intellectual knowledge. There's something more to the understanding of God foreknew you. Is it God before all time? Yes, he knew you by name and he knew who you were, but he loved you. He loved you. Isn't that amazing? He loved you. And the love that he has is not the same love as that we would say, for God so loved the world. I want you to follow me on this, okay? I believe this, that God sent His Son to die for the world. I believe that the offer for salvation is to all people and that anyone can come to Christ. I believe that God's love was expressed through sending His Son to die on the cross for our sins. But He also speaks about the verse that I quoted earlier in Deuteronomy 7, 9, about a covenant and steadfast love, a covenant love. There is a very special love that God has for His people. And this is an intense love for you. Before you were born, God didn't just know you. He loved you. And He loved you with a covenant love. Second word is predestined. He predestined you. In other words, He Before the world was created, before you were born, He selected you, He chose you, He called you to salvation. Now, that didn't mean that you became a Christian at that time, but that He chose you. You say, well, why didn't He choose everybody else? You know what the answer is for that? I can't explain it. (laughs) I just know this. The Bible says that God sent His Son to die for the world, He said, whosoever will may come. But he also said, here, I have predestined you. I have chosen you. And I know that we get into a lot of colleges and seminaries, get into theological debates on predestination. Why would God choose someone, not choose another person? I know this, that whoever wants to be saved can be saved. Because the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I believe that. But this this doctrine, to me, is for believers to give you some encouragement. God just didn't know you and love you. He chose you. He picked you out. He picked you out. He chose you. And He elected you. He predestined you. Isn't that amazing? Someone once said to me that when you have the the sovereignty of God and the free will of man and you try to understand how that works together, that whosoever will may come, and yet God selects us to be saved, how do you reconcile that it said you know it's like railroad tracks that the longer it gets out into the distance of eternity it looks like one line right now i can't comprehend the ways of god i just know this is a beautiful wonderful thing it's wonderful the fact that that god sent his son to die for the world he offers to the whole world but it's a beautiful thing for you to understand that god has known you he has loved you and he has chosen you he has chosen you John 15, 16 says, you've not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And then the last word is conforming you. So this is, these are his works. Knowing you, predestining you, and conforming you. Of course, this is what we've been speaking about today, that God is in the process of changing your life to be more and more like his son. And what happens is when he does that, you become you look more and more like Jesus I think this is an amazing amazing thing the whole rest of this text expands upon these thoughts so in the next 2 in 2 weeks from now i begin this living life with Jesus series of what does the life look like the life with Jesus what does your life look like when you live like Jesus. And I think of th- four invitations that Jesus gave. This is just, it's an interesting, interesting thought. Jesus invites you into his life. His first invitation is come to me. Jason preached on this earlier this last year. Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Come to me. His first invitation is you come to him. You trust him. You trust him with your life. His second invitation is follow me. We might hesitate. He says follow me. The obedient life, keeping in step with him. His, His third invitation is abide in me or continue with me. In other words, you stay with me. You're not leaving me. You're abiding, relating to me. And then his final invitation is go and I will be with you. So that's when you finally come to the assignment of what you do with your life, but it flows out of who you are. It flows out of your relationship with Christ. So this morning, you may have already gone through the process of New Year's resolutions, goals, objectives, and to-do lists. At least you've thought about it. But I'm going to ask you, have you thought about this? Those are all temporal things, mostly. Have you thought about this? Of how in 2018... Your life will be more and more conformed to the likeness of Christ, fulfilling His purpose for you, bringing joy to the Father, preparing you for heaven, and affecting everyone around you positively. You know, I've shared a number of times this last year, just because it's fresh with me of of losing my father-in-law. And... um, You know, Dad, I remember looking through some of the old files, when he he played quarterback for Kansas back in the late 40s, early 50s, and he showed me this picture, and he's he's uh, throwing a pass, and I look at the stadium, it's like, I think they, they said they're like seventy, eighty thousand 80,000 people. I mean, it's just, and they're all, wearing, it's back in the day when they're all wearing suits and ties, you know, and it's a black and white picture, and I'm thinking, they're, they're like 80,000 people, and he's... He's a star quarterback, you know their team went to the orange bowl and he had a great career as a surgeon doctor and and um taught on the family and but i but I think of all the things that 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 dad did at the end of his life. I remember kind of going through his closet and i and I'm looking at because they'd pretty much given away all his stuff and he'd gotten rid of all the stuff and i and i'm I'm, I'm looking at and about the six by eight closet. And it's all that's left. A few of his clothes he's still giving away and something. It's all that's left. And I, and I think no one's going to remember him standing in the middle of that field. And, you know, he's a quarterback and, you know. He, but But the thing that all of us remember that knew him, remembered he gave us the greatest picture of what Jesus was like in human form. And that has honestly, been, had one the, of the most profound effects upon my life of anything ever. Of having a man who visibly before me, I saw not was just like Jesus, but was becoming more and more like Jesus. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't perfect. But that was what his impact was. And I thought, Lord, is that, is that how I'm approaching life? Is it? Or am I just kind of doing things and getting things checked off and accomplishing goals and, and not really becoming more like Christ? Because the greatest contribution I think I can make to you as a church is you have a pastor who shows you what Jesus is like. And I can show my children, my grandchildren, my neighbors, unsaved people, what Jesus is really like because he is always changing me to be like him. So that is for me, my purpose, my longing, my prayer, my goal for 2018. And I pray it would be yours as well. Father, we thank you so much for your word because it cuts us to the heart and it shows us where we tend to stray away onto temporal and things that pass away so quickly. And I pray, Lord, that we would have a successful year in the sense that we realize what you have planned for us, what you have purposed for us, to be conformed into the likeness of your Son. And As we take this journey and our study the next few weeks on living life with Jesus, what that's like and, and how that is impressed upon us, Lord, I pray that we would long to walk with you, to have you reflected upon our lives and for us to be able to show others what you're like. To that relationship. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.